This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. I'm James L. Rubart, but please call me Jim. I'm Thomas Humstead Jr. And in this episode, you guys are going to love this episode. We're going to talk about the recent changes that Facebook made and how these changes will directly affect you as an author. But Thomas, before we dive into that, I got to ask you, are Eagles or Patriots? Which way are you going in the Super Bowl this year? I'm picking uh, the Eagles. I know most of you listening to this will already know who uh, wins, but I think the Patriots, their time has come. They're a bunch of old men and the Eagles will soar and the Patriots will die. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I read a book when I was a kid called They Pay Me to Catch Footballs, and it was by a receiver named Tommy McDonald, and he played for the Eagles uh, as a receiver, and he was part of their 1960 championship team. And I called into a radio show in Seattle that he was on one time and turned out to be and chatted with him and turned out to be just a, a wonderful guy. So all that being said, I got to go with the Eagles as well. So, <laughs> All right. So uh, today we're going to be talking about some major changes that Facebook is rolling out uh, in 2018. Some of these changes have, have happened already, and some of these changes they'll be rolling out over the next few months. So you may have heard something about this, that Facebook is changing in a fundamental way, and these changes have a big impact on you as an author. So it's a really important episode to listen to. But before we talk about what has changed, I think it's important to explain how Facebook works. So, Jim, I don't know when you got on Facebook, but it came out while I was in college. So I was one of those few oh folks gosh, who was using Facebook when it was college <laughs> students only. And I remember how unhappy everyone was when high school students were allowed in. And then our moms got then on the board. Adults and were <laughs> it was the end. It was the end. Uh, and that was like 10 years ago. But uh, if you back in the day, you saw everything that was posted by everyone. Uh, but the problem was was that the amount of posting people did was going up faster than the amount of time people were spending on Facebook until eventually, if you have a few hundred friends and you follow a few hundred pages, uh, which is low, and I know a lot of authors have thousands of friends, um, you're, that's tens of thousands of pieces of content being created every day, potentially, and that's more than what you can see. And so Facebook sorts what it shows you based off of this algorithm. And a lot of people think that the algorithm that Facebook uses is super secret. And if you listen to the press, they make it sound like it's super secret. It's not super secret. It's the actual algorithm is on Wikipedia. Facebook released it five or six years ago. And it even has a name. It's called EdgeRank. So we're going to talk a little bit about how EdgeRank works. So Jim, let's say you post something on Facebook. EdgeRank is going to determine who sees that thing that you post, and it will apply to you as your personal page for your friends and family, and also applies to your business page. And EdgeRank uh, is tweaked a little differently for each one. And Facebook is not doing this because a lot of people like the evil Facebook, and they're preventing me from it, all this kind of thing. No, they are they are simply filtering it down. To Thomas's point earlier, you cannot see all the content that's coming down the river. It'd be like swallowing the Niagara Falls every second. They're narrowing it down to, uh, let's say, a glass of water that you can actually swallow. So that's what's going on. But with much power comes much responsibility. Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> is realizing that. Uh, the use of Facebook makes people sad. Uh, there's a lot of studies, and particularly the passive use of Facebook, where you are just scrolling past other people's content, makes you sad and depressed. And there's this huge number of teenagers now that are sad and depressed because of social media, not just Facebook, but the other ones as well. And um, so, and, and not just sad; it's 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 serious depression that is happening. The the medical. Uh, 
profession is looking at this and they're they're saying yes facebook causes depression so you're exactly right thomas and i think authors are particularly vulnerable to this because no uh, no we're not (laughs) (laughs) Uh, authors were led to believe by um, publishing companies especially in the traditional published authors that facebook is marketing for them and that they need to be on facebook to help sell books yeah and yeah. so it's like, oh, well, it's a good thing that I'm on Facebook. I have permission to be on Facebook. Spending a lot of time on Facebook is good for me, not bad. And that is causing them to be even more depressed, which really pulls them down. Um, but anyway, let's talk about what the algorithm looks at. Uh, the first thing it looks at is user preference. So if I really like James Rubart, I can go to his page and check the little box that says see first. And his now that I've done that, his content shows up at the top of my timeline. Uh, another the way that I would do that if he was a um, if, if I was on his personal page, would I would designate him as a close friend, which is the like pay, profile way of doing this. And this is like the nuclear bomb. If somebody sets you as C first, none of the rest of it matters <laughs> hardly at all. Uh, the one thing that matters still is recency which is another big piece of this algorithm. It's one of the heaviestly weighted things. So you'll notice when you go on Facebook, you tend to see stuff that's been posted in the last few hours, and at most maybe a day or two ago. The only time you'll see something from several days ago, if it's a huge, huge deal, like an engagement announcement or a baby announcement, or maybe somebody has died, uh, those sorts of things maybe can last for multiple days, but in general, recency is very powerful. So we have user preference, we have recency. Next, we have social proximity. So Facebook looks at how many friends you have in common or how many of your other friends like this page. So if I'm the only person in my social network that likes the James L. Rubart page, I'm less likely to see his stuff than if me and my 10 friends are all fans of James L. Rubart. Um, Facebook also looks at the type of content you're posting. So we have um, like a photo or a video. A live video is probably the most favored kind of content right now. Uh, And it used to be followed by videos. Um, We'll talk about what's happening to traditional videos here in a second. Uh, Then photos, then text, then links, and then links to YouTube are at the very bottom. (laughs) Facebook doesn't want you leaving to go to YouTube. Uh, So when you share a YouTube video, you'll notice you don't get very many likes or comments. It's because Facebook's not showing it to very many people. Uh, So I did a video talking about this, and I posted it to YouTube, and then I separately recorded a Facebook version of it (laughs) that was a live video just so it could go out to, uh, to the most number of people. Uh, the next thing that Facebook looks at is the number of likes, and now we have reactions, so people can heart emoji or sad crying face emoji. Uh, Facebook counts the likes, and the more likes you have, the more people will see your post. And so to him who has likes, more likes will be given. But to him who does not have likes, even the likes he thinks he has are really just from his mom. Uh, and so now that's still the case. And then it looks at comments. And it looks at shares. So how many people have shared this? The more people that share it, uh, the more people will see it. Uh, And then finally, promotion. Have you spent money? Have you boosted this post? If you have a um, brand page for your author business, you can spend money to not worry about the algorithm and to just show up for more people. So let's talk about what has changed in the last year and what is changing in the, and then we'll go into what is changing most recently. What's changed in the last year is faster loading web pages get priority in the news feed. So in other words, Facebook realizes people are spending a little bit less time on Facebook. And so consequently, they don't want it to take a long time for your web page to load. 
that's simply delayed. We're getting so used to things happening quickly. And so we would encourage you to test your website, see how fast it loads. I think we'll have some links in the show notes, Thomas, on... Mm-hmm. Um, on how to do that for folks. Yeah, so uh, fast-loading websites are not just important for Facebook. Google also penalizes slow sites. Um, and if you're, si- if you're paying $5 a month for hosting or $10 a month for hosting, your site's pretty slow, most likely, because real fast hosting costs more than that. Uh, so you'll notice that a lot of gurus will recommend Bluehost, but then they'll say, oh, I don't use Bluehost. So like Michael Hyatt recommends Bluehost, Joanna Penn recommends Bluehost. And Bluehost is a great place to get started. It's very cheap. And others like it, like HostGator and GoDaddy. Uh, the downside, though, with cheap hosting is that it's slow hosting. And uh, once you're ready to kind of take your website to the next level, you're going to want to pay for more expensive hosting. The host that I like and use is WP Engine, uh, WordPress Engine. They're just built for speed. They're very fast, but their cheapest plan is $30. So WP Engine's cheapest plan is more expensive than Bluehost's most expensive plan. And uh, so they're in totally different tiers in terms of pricing. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with Bluehost. And again, this is not going to make or break you, but it's one of those things that's changed in the last year. Uh, the next thing that's changed is engagement bait. Uh, so we're talking about the Super Bowl. So if I say like, if you want the Eagles to win, uh, comment if you want the Patriots to win, where the whole point of the post is just to get people to engage with it. Uh, those sorts of things used to work really well. Uh, now you get penalized for that. Now Facebook doesn't want you gaming the algorithm. Now you can. St- we'll show you how to game the algorithm in organic, legit ways uh, later on in the ap- episode. But uh, you can't do it in cheap ways like uh, engagement bait. The next thing is the newsfeed um, started to weigh reactions more than likes. You notice that now there's emojis. Thomas touched on that earlier. And so a heart or an angry or a sad gets higher weight than simply liking it. That's another way to say you probably think about it for a few more seconds. If you're going to love it or if you're going to be sad or angry, then just go and click like, like. So the way, uh, so that um, the emojis got more weight than they did previously. That's right. And again, this whole theme of these changes is that Facebook is looking for engagement and giving a heart emoji requires more effort than just passively scrolling and tapping like. Uh, and then finally, um, video is now prioritized in the newsfeed based on completion rate. So uh, Facebook's looking not just at how many views you get, but how many people are completing your video. So be careful if you're going to have a 20 minute long video, <laughs> that's going to uh, perhaps not work as well as a series of shorter videos if you're uploading videos. Okay, Thomas, let's jump into what is changing most recently, the things that that happened here the first part of the year. So the biggest change in 2018 is that human pages, aka the friends and family posts, are getting more priority. And consequently, your brand page, the page that people like, is getting less priority. So the James L. Rubart brand page has been pushed down. Uh, in fact, they've been pushing down these brand pages every year for the last five or six years. So five or six years ago, you could actually get some attention with your brand page. Now you really can't without spending money. Uh, and the people who are seeing success on Facebook now are people who are spending money to be on Facebook. So if you're thinking that by spending time on Facebook, you're building your platform, uh, you're working with some old information that's no longer true, sadly, especially in 2018. 
another thing they're changing is that blog posts and news stories shared by brand pages are getting even less priority. So again, they want content native to Facebook and they want it shared by real humans. Uh, the other thing, and this is a kind of a big fundamental change, is that comments are now getting a lot more weight over likes and reactions. So it used to be the primary currency of Facebook was the like button. And then reactions were like super like buttons, but the more likes you got, the more likes you got because more people saw your content. Now Facebook's looking for comments and they're not just looking for comments, they're looking for meaningful comments. Their whole new strategy is we wanna see meaningful conversation where people are writing paragraphs back and forth uh, to each other. Like the kind of thing that you see on a live video tend to have those longer comments and especially groups tend to have longer comments. Uh, so. Facebook groups are um, not being penalized like everything else is. So it's not that they're boosting groups in this new update, but groups, uh, it's like the water level's going down and the group's island is appearing to rise, <laughs> when in reality it's just staying the same. So Thomas, um, before we get into what this means for authors, why? What's the, what's the choi choice of Zuckerberg to go this direction? So several things. He's He's been very concerned about the criticism Facebook's been getting over the last year. If you listen to the criticism, it's much more existential. So the, there's this whole fake news um, type criticism that they're getting. But more fundamentally, a lot of big investors and a lot of people close to Facebook have been, and even former employees have been saying, Facebook is bad for society. It makes people depressed. It shows them fake news. And it keeps them from doing useful things with their life. And Facebook doesn't think that they're bad for society, but they're seeing that they're having bad effects on some people. And so okay. what they're wanting to encourage is the things that you do on Facebook that make you happy. So when my mom's on Facebook and she sees a photo of me and my wife, it makes her happy. When my grandmother sees one of my cousin's babies and one of her new grandchildren, great-grandchildren, that makes her happy, right? Those are the sorts of things that you do on Facebook that make you happy, those meaningful inter interactions with other human beings. And so that's what they're trying to encourage. The downside is, is that if you're an author, you're not seen as a human being, you're seen as a brand. <laughs> and so these things that are punishing businesses, so to speak, are gonna punish you. And you may, you may be thinking, oh, well, I'll just have a personal page and I'll get around it. It's not gonna work. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, personal pages are limited to only 5,000 people, which is not that big in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and I don't think, and yes, people can subscribe to your personal page and you can go above that, but I don't think that uh, any of the advantages to a personal page apply to your subscribers. So ultimately, posting status updates on Facebook as a way of spreading the word about your book, not a very effective strategy. Mm. So uh, Okay, let's so talk. let's get into this, what this means specifically for authors. Yeah, so it's more important than ever to earn comments. Don't bait them. So uh, you don't do the like for this, comment for that. Uh, the best way to get comments is to just ask questions and ask questions that get people talking. Uh, as if you are the place where people come for meaningful discussion, the new algorithm will favor you. Uh, this is hard to do. It takes work uh, and maybe is not worth the effort. But um, even just adding the sentence, what do you think, question mark, at the end of your post, it can be really good. Uh, just invite that discussion. Um, another thing that's changing is that uh, pre-recorded videos are being deprioritized. Uh, and at first I thought live videos are being deprioritized at all, and they're not. Uh, live, priority, uh, live videos get really good reaction. 
And uh, so Facebook is not deprioritizing live video. So live video has been getting more important every year, it seems. Facebook's really pushing this. And to experiment with this, I went on the Author Media page and talked for seven or eight minutes about the changes to Facebook on a live video. With no notice, I didn't put out an announcement ahead of time saying when it was going to be. It was just totally on the fly. And what I found was I did not get a lot of reaction at the time. I didn't get a lot of comments while I was recording, partly because I didn't tell people, hey, I'm going to be on at one o'clock, which is the best practice. But what I did find is that over time, people watched the live video in its like quote unquote recorded state and ended up getting huge reactions, much higher reactions than the like professional edited video that I had uploaded a few months or a few weeks before that. Uh, so in my, this is just one experiment, but I'm seeing that live video is still very powerful. I think doing live videos uh, for your launches of your books is a really solid strategy. I was talking with an author yesterday who had almost 500 shares and like 50,000 views on a live video. Mm. She did uh, re-releasing a book that was already out and it's just getting incredible results. So, and this is not an uh, an author who like fits the American standard of beauty. <laughs> so it's not like she's some supermodel, uh, and yet she's very successful. So I think that this like need to look beautiful doesn't apply at all to live video. In fact, in some ways, it makes it feel more authentic if you look like a normal person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that the the next thing that people can do, very simple, but just ask your followers to mark you as a C first. That will bring you to the forefront. As Thomas said, that supersedes um, most other things. So don't be shy to ask them to do that. But you have to be sharing the kind of content that they don't want to miss. So it can't just be interesting. It has to be can't miss content. So um, <laughs> Must see. <laughs> right. This is a really high standard. Again, it's a lot of work. Uh, another thing that uh, what this needs for authors is that groups are still working well. If you have a group around your book or your writing, some authors have a fan group. And the idea with a fan group or any kind of group is that it's a place for your readers to talk to each other, not just to talk to you. Uh, you're there asking questions and facilitating the discussion, but it's not there for you to just like post constant announcements about your book. And if you cultivate a solid group, this can be the core, your launch team, your you know your core kind of folks to help spread the word about your book. Uh, the strategy still works um, if you're able to get people to want to join your group. So Thomas, all this going on, does that mean ads are going to be more expensive than on Facebook? So this is my prediction uh, based off of a couple of things. One, according to Zuckerberg himself, fewer people people are going to spend less time on Facebook after they do these changes because they used to be everything was maximized on getting you to spend as much time on Facebook as possible. And the problem is, is that the kind of content that keeps you on Facebook is not the kind of content that makes you happy. Uh, it's the link baity, click baity, get angry at the other side. So if you're blue team, you get just passionately angry against the red team. If you're on the red team, you get passionately angry against the blue team. And ultimately, while that keeps you on Facebook, kind of boiling in your anger, that doesn't make you a happier person. And so they're yeah. shifting their objective here a little bit. And so less people on Facebook, less minutes on Facebook means that they're seeing fewer ads. And ads are sold like um, there's an inventory of ads. And the more ads are available, the cheaper they are. The fewer ads are available, the more expensive they are. But added to that, 
Now, if you want to get the word out, you're going to be getting less attention from your brand page, which means if you're trying to have the same amount of attention, you actually have to increase your ad spending. So demand is going to go up while supply is going to go down. I I can't see any alternative other than the ads are going to get more expensive. Uh, That doesn't mean that advertising for your book on Facebook is going to stop working and could very well may still continue to work. And it may be that this doesn't have a big impact. Uh, I could be wrong on this prediction. This is my speculation time. <laughs> so, um, but I'm seeing ads getting more expensive on, on Facebook and I'm also expecting that Goodreads ads may start looking better by comparison as people figure out how to do it. It's very interesting. No one's made a course on how to do Goodreads ads well. And so everyone just assumes that they can't be done. And, I'm I'm asking one of y'all figure it out. We'll have you on as a guest if you make good reads yeah, as work. And, but yeah, yeah I they, they have too much data on their readers and they have too hot of a market. Like the kind of people on Goodreads are readers. Goodreads ads have got to work and people have got to find a way to make them work because I think that there's some really great gold in the hills. People just have been digging in the wrong places or have been digging in very non-scientifically rigorous ways. And this Facebook, these Facebook changes might be the thing that presses or pushes somebody into doing that. Potentially. Um, so bottom line as a savvy author, I think it's really important not to build your house on Facebook's shifting sands. Um, the other thing you'll notice, we don't talk about Facebook very much on this show. In fact, when we did the survey, one of the number one things people asked us to talk more about was social media. <laughs> and we're like, we talk about techniques on the show that work <laughs> and social media can work, but it doesn't work for most people. In fact, most for most people, it's counterproductive. It causes them to write less. It causes them to be sadder people and it wastes their time. Uh, it, Facebook is very expensive. Social media is very expensive if you see your time as being valuable. And I was uh, consulting with an author the other day and she'd sold 20 copies of her book. And so it was just an initial consultation and I was asking, you know, it's like, what are you doing to get the word out about your book? And the only thing she'd been doing is social media. And she was trying different social media platforms. I'm like, social media just doesn't work. Like 20 books is how many you sell when you're posting on social media. It can be a part of your strategy, but by itself, it's not going to drive sales. Uh, What does drive sales? Your website, your email list, (laughs) optimizing your cover and your description on Amazon, buying ads on Amazon to bring people to your page. Um, All of these things are going to be way more effective than talking about your book on Facebook. All right. The sponsor of today's episode is the 2018 tax, because we've had a lot of tax changes and business course for authors. Thomas, you want to talk a little bit about um, your business degree and maybe somebody in the family that has some (laughs) tax information that uh, is well worth listening to? Yeah. So I don't talk about this a lot on the show, but I graduated with honors with a business degree uh, in college. And while in college, when I, I just take an entrepreneurship class, I started my first business out of my college you know, apartment. I wasn't in a dorm, but it was pretty close. And I've been starting businesses ever since. And uh, this course is my business advice uh, for you as an author. If you, Once you're ready to start transitioning, taking this more seriously, making some serious money, uh, it's business fundamentals and tax advice with my dad, who's a CPA, Tom Umstadt, CPA. We had him on uh, a couple of episodes ago, and he's been working with authors for over 35 years. In fact, I was talking with him. His oldest client is a writer. So he's like really deep in writers back when they were written on typewriters. He really knows what he's talking about. So we talk about how to make more money 
how to reduce your costs and how to reduce your tax liability in legal ways. So once you understand what the IRS is looking for and kind of what uh, advantages you can take advantage of, um, there's some really key ones. And we also, it's all updated for 2018. It's the new tax plan. A lot of authors are nervous about its effect and it potentially, if you're traditional only, it has maybe some negative effects on you. Uh, We'll be talking about that in the course and it's got a money back guarantee. So if you're unhappy, you can get all your money back and you get to keep whatever you've learned (laughs) as as our gift uh, to you. And where do people go, Thomas? Uh, you can go to novelmarketing.com. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. You can also go to authormedia.com slash tax tips. And we'll, again, we'll have the link in the show notes on Author Media. You've been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.